You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your only daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton, a longtime Marlins writer as well as a minor league play-by-play broadcaster. And yes, we are back to the daily episodes of the Locked On Marlins podcast, so you can expect a new episode every single day from this point moving forward throughout the season. And I'm really excited to deliver that to you and to share this season with you. We are underway. Spring training has started. And guess what? Lewis Brinson goes yard. Forget Groundhog Day. I don't need that to know it's spring. All I need is Lewis Brinson to hit a home run, and we know it's springtime. So here we go. It's another spring training. I'm going to talk a little bit about that in tomorrow's episode because in this episode, I wanted to answer a lot of your questions that you had for me. It seemed like a lot of fans and listeners of the podcast were super excited about spring training starting, which how couldn't you be? I mean, baseball is back, and fans are even allowed to be there, which is awesome. Attendance was already over 1,000, according to Jordan. McPherson of the Miami Herald and the Marlins are planning to allow 20% capacity for this coming season so there's just so much to be excited about well of course if the Marlins have a TV deal ultimately which we're expecting to happen at some point soon but it's still not happened yet and you have to watch the Marlins spring training games if you want to watch them on really television you can't watch them on television but if you want to see any video of it you have to watch a basically GoPro live stream online which is crazy, but you do get the radio broadcast, and my man Glenn Geffner is awesome. He was alongside JP Aaron Sebia, excuse me, and they did a good job broadcasting today's game, so it was nice to listen to that in the background. I didn't even really bother watching the video aspect of it because it was so hard to see, but I appreciate the Marlins for trying, I guess, at this point, and you know what? We will have plenty of games to watch coming soon. I'm going to try to get my or make my way out there for a ball game in the next couple days so that I can live tweet from the Locked On Marlins account and from my personal to keep everybody in the loop, maybe with some videos as well. But let me get into these mailbag questions. Thank you to all of those who sent them. And let me know, even if I haven't announced a mailbag, feel free to shoot me a DM and let me know if it's for the mailbag. If you want it answered for the mailbag, I will store that question away and I'll be sure to answer it on the next episode. So let's jump into the first question here, and I think it's a really good one and a thought-provoking question, and it's how does the Marlins defense look this year in comparison to prior seasons? And this is an important question because, one, I think the Marlins defense is going to be better. I'm going to get into that. And also, two, it's a cavernous outfield for the Marlins out there, and they haven't had some much consistency with their outfielders in recent seasons for a lot of different reasons. Now it looks like they're going to have a little bit more consistency out there. You can pencil or not, you can sharpie Starling Marte in center field. Now Duvall is a plus defender at either corner spot. And then Corey Dickerson, yes, he's won that one gold glove, but he is not a great defender. He was above average last year. He seemed to get back into his form a little bit and was solid out there. But the reality is, Dickerson's not going to play 150 games this season. I just don't see it happening. He's only played 150 games once in his entire career, and he has been just injury plagued throughout his time in the major leagues. And similar to what the Marlins have said with Garrett Cooper, I think it's somewhat similar with Corey Dickerson, where you have to just 
somewhat mitigate the risk of him getting hurt and have to somewhat assume that he's only going to play 120, 130 games. That is quite fine, I think, for the Marlins. Lewis Brinson did homer in his last uh, spring training game. And yeah, I, I'm not going to read too much into the spring training stats or anything like that, but he does continue to look a little bit quieter at the plate and has continued to make improvements. We know he was better last year. I think that he has continued to build on those improvements that he made last year. And at the very least, he is a viable player platoon option with what he did to left-handed pitching last year, and I think that those improvements against left-handed pitching are here to stay. He was more of a guy that was chasing and getting out of his comfort zone against breaking balls from right-handers, not as much against left-handers. So if he makes even 40 starts, 30 starts against left-handed pitching in this season, and then you can figure out other ways to integrate him into the lineup, but if I'm just talking about how it regards to Corey Dickerson, if he starts over Dickerson for 30 games against good left-handed pitchers that Dickerson might not be as comfortable against, that is perfectly fine with me. It gives you a little bit of an edge defensively where 20, 30 games out of the year, you're going to have a premium defense out there between Duvall, a plus defender and right, you have Marte, a multiple-time gold glove winner in center, and then Brinson in left field is probably one of the better defensive left fielders in the National League when he's going right. So that would be a very, very good defense, and that could be a late-game defensive replacement too as a way you can use Lewis Brinson as well. But Corey Dickerson looked much better last year defensively. He had some hiccups, and he was frustrating overall. But when you look at the larger metrics as to how he was just doing in a nutshell, he seemed to be a lot better at just tracking the ball and making the throws. Some tough reads here and there. He was not as good down the stretch, but overall, I think he had a better defensive season than we've seen in the past. And the real question is just, can he stay healthy for a full season? And I think maybe the Marlins won't make him try to do that and can give him a day off at least once a week. And that's where Lewis Brinson can hop into the lineup. The other thing too is just, as I alluded to earlier, having that continuity in the outfield is so much better for the Marlins too, because they had a bunch of different guys playing in center field last year and inexperienced guys like Monte Harrison, who projects to be a very good defender out there, but just was not playing consistently enough to get comfortable with his reads and struggled at times. You also had guys like Harold Ramirez making some starts out there before he went down with his injury, and you just did not have that consistency. Lewis Brinson spent some time in center field was solid, but when you have a guy out there every day that's going to man the up the middle in the outfield and just take charge, you got to be happy with Starling Marte, and I think that consistency will be huge too. Looking at like second base, John Birdie played a large number of games at second base. He's a good defender, but I think Jazz Chisholm as a second baseman, I know he hasn't won the job yet. He is off to a great start too with a nice oppo home run in the first spring training game, but let's say Jazz Chisholm's the second baseman. I think he's the best defensive second baseman of the trio meaning Ice and Diaz as well. I think Jazz Chisholm could be a plus defender at second base. That would be a boost defensively. Even though John Birdie is a good defender at second base, Jazz Chisholm could be very, very good. That would be a boost there. Depending on how Lewin Diaz plays and if he gets a chance at first base, he would be a boost defensively as well. You know what Brian Anderson can do at third. You know what Miggy Rowe can do at shortstop. Great left side of the infield. And then if Jorge Alfaro is continuing to improve his defense like the Marlins and he has said that he has, then there you go. You have a lot of reason to believe the defense will be better across the board and not many reasons to believe it'll be worse. And that starts with the signing of Adam Duvall. So I think it's pretty clear cut that this defense will be better barring something 
unforeseen, and that's very good news for the Marlins and the Marlins pitching staff, which should be pretty solid. Uh, next question, which is another good one and one that is hard to answer. I don't think I can really answer this with conviction, but I'll give you my most educated hypothesis, and that is, will Zach Pop make the bullpen? And when we talk about what he has to offer in terms of just pure talent and how good he is, well, Zach Pop is good enough to be in this bullpen. But how is Zach Pop going to look off of injury? That's the question, and that's a question I can't answer. Also, are the Marlins going to want to take their time with him and take advantage of the fact that he is coming off a of Tommy John surgery where they could put him on the IL so they don't have to worry about having to return him back to the Orioles and then he can spend some time working on things and presumably getting back to 100% off of the IL. I don't know if I want to do that if I'm the Marlins because I think Zach Pop could help this team right away assuming he's healthy. And I saw some video of him pitching against JJ Boudet. He looks solid. And overall, I mean, this has been enough time for him now to come back and be ready. The larger question is just, is he going to be able to have that same dominance that he had through the minor leagues off of this surgery? Will he have any issues with his command? I don't know. Normally, it seems like guys are coming back from Tommy John surgery and not having much trouble, especially relievers. So we'll see how Zach Pop returns. But when it comes to what he's capable of prior to the injury, this guy could be the best swing and miss reliever in the Marlins bullpen period. So if he's showing you that he is ready, he really can be that good. He really can be that swing and miss guy and assume that James Hoyt type of role from last year where you inherit the base runners and you can strike guys out and get out of a jam. Pop stuff is that good and he is that electric. That is somebody that could boost this bullpen massively for the Marlins and would be a huge help for this team. They have addressed the bullpen quite well, but they're still missing that true swing and miss guy and Zach Pop would be a phenomenal addition if he can be the guy that the Marlins are assuming he can be when they went out and traded for him essentially to select him in the Rule 5 draft. They basically traded for the rights to him after he was selected by the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm going to talk about some of the other questions that were asked. I'm going to answer some of those opening day roster surprises, six dough expectations, and some other really good questions in just a moment. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to to get your bets on all your sports action. Football might be over, but you got the NBA, you got college basketball, NHL, all in full swing. Baseball right on the horizon as well. But Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Head over to betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKED ON and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your initial deposit. So if you deposit $100, you get an extra $50 on top of that. That's betonline.ag with the promo code Locked on, bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's dive into that next question, which was another fun one. And it's what is a reasonable bar that fans can set for Sixto Sanchez this coming season? Making the All Star game doesn't seem like a far stretch. What are your thoughts? Sixto is a really interesting prospect in the regard that he is so naturally gifted and has such ridiculous stuff that you can project pretty much the sky's the limit for this guy. But when you look at some of the numbers 
they're a little bit head-scratching in the regard that he does not get a ton of swing and miss. And I'm not going to lose sleep over it, but if we're trying to project Sixto Sanchez as being this frontline ace that we know he can be, he's got to be better with the swings and misses. And this has been something that's been relevant since his minor league stints, where he was below average in swinging strike percentage, and that seems to have translated into the major league level as well. That being said, he is or has shown that he can have success and get outs and be a solid major league pitcher, a very good major league pitcher, even if he's not racking up the strikeouts, which is important because he does get a lot of ground balls, he does battle, and he does get strikeouts out of jams and in situations where he really needs them. But when you look at the numbers from this past year, 39 innings, 33 strikeouts, using the 37th percentile in whiff percentage, and for somebody that has the stuff that Sixto has and how electric he is, you'd expect that to be better. And I'm going to get into a little bit of why that is. I've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast in the past, so I won't harp on it too much. But to answer your question first in a more direct manner, I think that when you look at Sixto's numbers from last year, that's a pretty safe bet for what I think he can do this coming season. I think he's going to be better, and I think that some of the things we're about to talk about here that he needs to work on will be applied this coming season, and he'll be focused on that in the pitch usage, because again, it's not really something that he needs to change in terms of his ability or his mechanics or what he does on the mound. It's just really pitch usage. It's not anything that is too dramatic of a change. I think he could work on the slider a little bit more, and it's more so the command of the slider. The pitch is not bad. It's a great pitch, actually. It's a plus pitch, but he just does not command it quite as well, and righties are able to shut it down quite early and lay off of it. He rarely locates it for a strike, and then they're sitting on that fastball because he doesn't throw the changeup to right-handed hitters, and you're just sitting fastball or sinker, which is reflected in the splits from this past year. Right-handed hitters had an OPS of 745, left-handed hitters an OPS of 531. That is pretty crazy. And also, he did not strike out a single right-handed hitter with his slider. That's quite alarming because you can't just lean on the fastball and he doesn't throw the change up much to those right-handed hitters. So if you're not punching guys out with the slider, that's a little bit alarming. Still, he was able to be incredibly competitive, a 3-4-6 ERA in those seven starts. He had some starts where he racked up a lot of strikeouts, but also there were times where it seemed like he was being a bit too nitpicky, where he was trying to nibble at the corners. He didn't have the confidence in his slider, and that's why he walked 11 in 39 innings, which is not really characteristic of him, and that's why the whip was up to 1.2, which is something you never really saw from him either. Still a very good debut, but I have a very high standard for Sixto Sanchez and high expectations for this guy. I think a reasonable expectation is more of what we saw last year, that mid-3s ERA with a high ground ball rate. We'll get the strikeouts here and there. We'll run into some tough starts, but we'll also have some lights out starts where he might even go a complete game. The question is, will he make some of these small tweaks with pitch usage, especially against right-handed hitters, where he will be able to get those guys out a bit more, have more reliance on a pitch other than the fastball, and then set up that four-seamer up in the zone a bit more. If he's able to do that more against righties, then who knows how good this guy could be. All-star will be the beginning of it. I think he could be a Cy Young candidate if he can figure out how to utilize his stuff a bit more effectively against right-handed hitters. So for this coming year, I think all-star game is a very fair goal 
for Sixto Sanchez. And it should be something that is not out of the realm of possibility at all. Even the way he pitched this past year, seven starts of three, four, six ERA and some flashiness to him that's going to get you some all-star votes regardless and just the electric nature of his stuff that could get him in there. And I think that he has a shot to be an all-star this coming year, even if he's able to just get that ERA into the low threes. The big focus for me is how he pitches against right-handed hitters and can he keep that walk rate down a little bit. I think the strikeouts will come if he does those two things. But Sixto is just going to keep getting better before our eyes and as he continues to feel out his arsenal and figure out how to utilize it the best because he just has such a special arsenal. It'll only be a matter of time before he's able to use it in the most effective way. Next question is, who could be an opening day roster surprise and also who could be a surprise for spring training? And I mean, those could be two different questions. So I'm going to answer the first one as an opening day roster guy, because it should be tough to crack this opening day roster just based on what the Marlins have right now with how they're filled out. But there still should be some wiggle room here and there, especially if the Marlins ultimately make a trade, which I wouldn't totally rule out, especially if somebody like Jazz Chisholm wins the job, you have Birdie also as that backup second baseman utility guy. You don't have much use of Isan Diaz. Yes, it would suck to sell low on him, but he still has some value. Maybe you can use Isan Diaz as a piece to go get another reliever and a solid one. Just a thought, and that's a reason why I think when we look at the opening day roster potential, if the Marlins don't make one of those moves, then you send Isan to AAA, I guess, and as he performs well there again, maybe you shop him around, or if it's vice versa, then obviously you're just going to sit on Jazz and let him play in AAA a little bit, and that's one roster spot opened up there. Still, there's going to be a lot of spots filled up from the acquisitions the Marlins made to the bullpen, from the Rule 5 guys, the fact that the Marlins have both Aguilar and Cooper is also going to take up some space. So it will be fascinating to see how the Marlins decide to make all of those roster spots work. Regardless, somebody that I think can make a push for the opening day roster that's not really talked about too much is Jake Fishman. And I've mentioned Fishman a few times on this podcast now, and I really am looking forward to seeing him throw this spring because his numbers in AA and AAA were fantastic as a left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen that gets left-handed hitters out. He is really tough on lefties, and especially if Ross Detweiler doesn't look like he is continuing what he put together last year, the Marlins don't really have that swing and miss left-handed guy out of the bullpen. I think Detweiler was a good acquisition, and if those pitch changes that he made, the pitch usage adjustments that he made, and using the breaking ball more as somebody that's always been very malleable. He's always been able to adjust on the fly. And now that he's a full-time reliever is a bit of a different pitcher. Maybe that will mean that he will be better this coming year. I just don't know if the Marlins needed to give him a guaranteed contract for this season. They were a little bit early when they signed him. And now look how many relievers are still on the market. They probably could have gotten away with a minor league deal for Detweiler. Regardless, I think he's going to be okay. But still, I think the Marlins could use another left-handed pitcher out of the bullpen. And Fishman is really tough. Good strikeout numbers against lefties. 
keeps them in check, but he's still competent against righties. So it's not like he's going to have to be the specialist in a game where you have the three batter rule. He is able to get righties out as well, but he's extra tough on lefties. And I think the Marlins need one more guy like that in the bullpen would not be a bad candidate to go in there. And I think he's major league ready. So if he really shows that in the spring training, the Marlins will have a decision to make and they might have to make some room for my man, Jake Fishman, who should have a chance to really perform this spring. As for a surprise performer for this spring training, I don't know if he's going to get enough opportunity, and that will remain to be seen. He's a non-roster invitee, but Alexander Guillen is fascinating to me as a guy that could be an impact reliever if he can hone in on the command, which has seemed to improve, though it is a little peculiar that the Rockies decided to let him go after he spent some time at the alternate training site in 2020. So maybe there were some red flags there because in 2019, he was fantastic in AA Hartford as a 23-year-old, and he has a plus fastball and a plus slider and kind of closer stuff. He was a closer in A-ball, picked up 17 saves. He was a closer in 2017 in high A, and then ran into a lot of trouble in 2018 where he was just walking a ton of guys. The strikeout numbers remained consistent, but just so many walks, was giving up a lot of loud contact, and it just was not a great go of it for him in 2018, but he still starts the year in 2019 at double A and was able to put it together a lot better. Only walked 21 in 76 and two-thirds innings, which was by far the best walk rate of his minor league career, punched out 91 batters in 76 and two-thirds innings, then goes to the Arizona Fall League, throws 10 innings, punches out 13, and only walks one, and he only gave up one earned run. So all of a sudden, going into 2020, I think the Rockies were incredibly optimistic. Something along the way did not happen for Guillen. He must have struggled a little bit at the alternate training site, but he showed that he could do that on a pretty large scale. I mean, 76 and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen with a 1.53 ERA, a .9 whip, and those strikeout numbers, I mean, that is almost 11 strikeouts per nine innings. You can't ask for much more out of a relief pitcher. So that fastball slider combination is a major league caliber combination. The big question is, can Guillen have the command to be able to be a major league reliever? But I think this is a really interesting non-roster invitee, and I think the Marlins are going to give him a chance to be able to pitch out of the bullpen in this spring training and prove himself similar to the way Brad Boxberger did. But Guillen has better stuff without a doubt, and I'm very intrigued to see what he's going to do this coming spring, or not coming, it already came. So this spring training as well, I will keep my eyes out for him and provide updates there for those who are not able to keep up or of course not able to watch but keep an eye out for those two guys Jake Fishman and Alexander Guillen could help this bullpen as soon as this year if Guillen has the good command that he could potentially show that he showed improvements of in 2019 he could end up getting the call up into the bullpen and that's why the Marlins did not want to spend too much on relievers which I get I'm just glad that they got some guys that can at least eat innings and you know are going to be solid out of the get-go and then if you can call up some swing and miss guys that will be a perfect marriage to mitigate the risk with some of the veterans and then get some high ceiling swing and miss caliber type of prospects or relievers now in the middle of the season to offer some support to that bullpen. We'll see how they hold up to start the season, but there definitely are some candidates 
that could break out and do something quite interesting. Real quick, a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar as well, and Built Bar has 18 delicious flavors. They all taste like a dessert. They are covered in chocolate, easy to chew, great for a keto diet because they're low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar, low in carbs, and high in protein. What else would you want from a protein bar? And if you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use a promo code LOCKEDON20, that's LOCKEDON and the number 2-0, you'll get 20% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off your next order. You will truly enjoy those Built Bars. So wrapping up here, as we get through the last question or two, who hits the most spring bombs is a great question because that's a very much an opportunity thing and also just a track record of who does well in the spring. I think when we consider who could hit the most spring bombs. If I were putting my money on it, I'd probably put my money on Lewis Brinson. And that's not even part of like the bit or a joke. He's going to get a ton of at-bats because the Marlins are going to want him to get a ton of at-bats. And we know what he does in the spring. So if, if I were a betting man, I would put my money on Lewis Brinson to have the most home runs on this ball club. I think Jazz Chisholm, since he's competing for a spot, could also be a guy that gets the volume and has the ability to hit a lot of home runs as well. Those two guys are great candidates to be able to lead the team in home runs. It'll be interesting to see how the Marlins decide to handle the pitching staff, how some of those newbies like Zach McCambly, Kyle Nicholas, Max Meyer, and even some of the older prospects like Cody Poteet are all worth a watch to see how much opportunity they get. Another guy that I really think we should be looking out for is Josh Roberson. I've heard nothing but good things from those who have faced him, from those who have watched him in a ball. I think he's going to be a fast climber and could also make his case in the spring. Maybe he won't get the move straight up to the major league since he hasn't really pitched above a ball, but he should be a guy that could start in double A and be a fast climber and a bullpen guy as well as he gets a lot of swings and misses on a nasty breaking ball and a live fastball with a good spin rate. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I look forward to talking about some of the spring training games and some of my takeaways. Hopefully I'll be able to go attend one soon, at least this week, where I can live tweet, provide some video and some information for you guys as that's something I would love to do and I definitely miss being at the ball game. As always, thank you for listening and I look forward to talking Marlins baseball with you tomorrow as we are back to the daily schedule.